0: between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Join Myra, Jeff with a G, Dr. Sam, Jeffrey, and me, Jeff with a J, as we work to debunk those leadership myths. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Hello
1: again, everybody. This is Jeff Geyer with Phoenix Coaching, and I'm here with the No More Leadership BS podcast and our distinguished friends, my distinguished friends, Myra Hall, Dr. Sam Jennings, my good buddy, Jeff Conroy. And today leading the discussion will be none other than the, what did you call him last time, Conroy, the, the the man from Otis Orchards, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's Jeff McLaughlin, and we're going to talk today about investing in our people. So, without further ado, from Otis Orchards, Washington, Mr. Jeff Connor. <laughs> Jeff McLaughlin. There you go. Don't, don't you, everybody lives in Otis Orchards. Everybody Why lives not. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: The whole he's world young. is Otis Orchards, right? He, he's oh, younger okay. and better looking. <laughs> oh, give me time. Give me time. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jeff. Actually grew up in Otis Orchards now in the beautiful town of Coeur d'Alene, uh, Idaho, also called Narnia. I call it Narnia because it's just, it's a magical place. Very similar to some of the other places we were talking about this morning. I am the founder of Professionals at Play and my well, today we're talking about investing in your employees. And as I was thinking about this whole topic, I thought it was very, it's, it's amazing that people will spend the money that they do to pay an employee to do a job. And hopefully they pay them enough to make them motivated to do the job well. But is there for organizations an impetus to actually pay them or to invest in their employees so that they can do more? And what does that look like? And so my question was, as employers, as organizations hire somebody, they are already in the investment process in the people that are in the organization. So you're already investing in people financially because you pay them to do a job. This is above and beyond that. What are organizations doing to invest in their employees after they've hired them? They've trained them to do the job. They are there. They are competent employees. They are doing the job. What do they do then? And that's the topic for today. So the investment in your employees goes above and beyond just the pain of a wage. And so I was thinking about a couple of examples that were very interesting. Number one was, I believe it's Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game. He talks about one of uh, the organizations that he worked with out of California that was, I believe they were a, I don't know, some sort of computer technology IT company. And they hired a lot of engineers, but they the company decided that they were going to make it a policy no matter what was going on, no matter how the economy was, they are not going to fire anyone. And so they began to invest in their employees greatly in terms of if we're never going to get rid of somebody, how do we make sure that they are the absolute best fit for what we want? And so it completely changed the hiring process that so that instead of having a bunch of ones that you want, they, their hiring process changed from out of 100 people that applied for a job, only one of them actually got hired. So it was very interesting because that investment in the people saying, you have a lifetime job here. You are never going to be fired, no matter what happens to the economy. You will always have a place here at our table. And it changed how the teams worked. It changed the culture. It changed how how people communicated with each other because they wanted to be successful. And they knew that if this is a person that I'm going to have to work with for, for as long as I work here, I need to learn how to get along with them. And so they started to invest in other things above and beyond just paying their employees, additional trainings. If you were having a hard time, they would have a, a team help you. If you were, if you needed a coach, they, they hired a coach for you because they wanted you to be successful because your success meant the success of the company as well and the success of your teams. And all of a sudden the managers stopped worrying about, I'm not going to get fired because somebody's going to take my job. I'm more concerned with how does my team do? And all of the performances increased across the board and they continue to be an amazing company and their profit margin just continues to increase. So for you guys, what are some of the things that you've seen above and beyond a great paycheck from organizations? How do other organizations invest in their employees? What does that look like? What have you guys seen?
0: One of the things that I did, Jeff Conroy, Conroy Leadership Consulting, longtime listener, first time caller, is I always believed in the first step was always to build a relationship with the team. I find it interesting that that Senek talks about never firing anybody because there's always going to be those extenuating circumstances.
2: There's a, but it makes. He does address that. He does. And right, I can but, address that afterwards.
0: But what it does is it also makes the leaders work harder to build the relationships and to build team with their staff. But some of the things that I used to do, was I wanted to invest in my team and I call them team. I never called them staff. I always called them team members. I never called them an employee. I always called them team members. So that's a change. That's like Disney calling their the employees uh, cast members. They never yep, call them employees. Really. They call them cast members. So I always called them team members, but I would do things like bring in training. I want people to increase their knowledge. I wanted people to grow. So I would put together trainings. I would bring people in from the outside for trainings. Once a year, I would buy merch for them. I would, hey, let's get everybody a vest with the company logo on it or a polo shirt with the company logo on it or a coffee cup with the company logo on it give something back to them a little. Always worked on recognition. I have a thing from the Boy Scout days that says 101 ways to recognize somebody. And it doesn't really cost a whole lot of money. Just publicly recognize people. The other thing I started doing is because I had someone do it for me was send something to their significant other and tell them how much I appreciated my team member and that I really value Ooh, them. I like that. That, that was a really good one. If I really got to know them really well and they really wanted to, to advance, I would give them added responsibility. But, but with added responsibility, I always made sure that if they were doing that job, I wanted to pay them for that. So they would get a little bump mm-hmm. in their pay with that as well. But I've I've always had problems with companies that'll say, he's been with the company for two years and he's just not working out. Two years and he's just not working
2: out? <laughs> you're just discovering this now?
0: Yeah. So, so my attitude was, I always would say, you hired them for a reason. They're, if you're not liking the way they're doing something, why is that? Try to understand more about why aren't they performing the way you want them two years after the fact. Now, 90 days, yeah, I get that. But two years? But So those are the things I always... The number one thing for me was always to build a relationship. Know the person. Know their know their significant other. Know their kids. Know events in their life, and build friends. And that was the best part. Sorry, didn't mean to monopolize. But you brought up a
3: really good point, Jeff, mm-hmm. about two years, really. Yeah. Yeah, and we why do we hire people because of their abilities, their skills in the the job that we have available? But remember, they're also investing in your company. they accept the job because they see a future, but they also are a profit partner. That's what I told any of my team members is when I brought them on, that I didn't look at them as an employee and I didn't look at myself as a boss. I was paying the bills, so I got to make the final call. But to me, they were profit partners and their success was as important or more important than my success. And one of the best things I ever did to invest in the team was to invest in a coach, an outside coach, somebody that was completely removed because there's the old saying, you can't read the label from inside the band. That that was so true because he could see things. He could see the dynamics, the interactions that, that I never would have been able to see.
2: That outside perspective is always important because they don't have the investment in terms of this is not my job that I go to daily with the people that I go to. I have an outside view of tell me what's happening in your world. And how do I help you figure out how you can work better in that world? Or how do I help you work more efficiently? Or how do I help you work uh, on your communication skills? Because they have that, that the whole perspective is amazing. We can do an entire podcast on perspective. And I've got some fun exercises I do with people live, but they don't really translate to radio. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But another part of that is in, in the fact that they're profit partners. It's one of the best ways that you can invest in the future value of your company is to invest in your employees. Now, if you're a bottom line person and you're like, I don't want to do touchy feely stuff, I get it. I get it. So find somebody else that can, that is better at it than you are. But invest in your employees because you're investing in your company when you do that.
0: And what's really interesting is you can tell the companies that have done a really good job investing in their employees. When COVID hit and people start and companies were, were having to work from home, mm-hmm. you could tell those leaders that were really comfortable with their employees working at home and the company was still thriving and surviving. And those employees that want were struggling to micromanage while their employees were working from home. I worked okay. with companies that, luckily, I worked with companies that were pretty comfortable with their employees working from home because they've already done the investment. They've already done the delegation. There's trust built. There's relationships built. COVID was really that litmus test.
4: Mm -hmm, For sure. I want to go to... uh Myra's comment you know, about the, the profit part, and I like that a lot. The, the part where I know that there may be a gap for some of our listeners or the people come from the background I did, which was working for the state. In an institution, in my case, of higher education, there was no bonus for bringing in extra X, Y, or Z. It was just you do your job. And the, the borders were do it and keep it, <laughs> your job that is, or exceed expectations and get accolades, but no bonus. So the things I got to do, the levers I got to pull were the relationships. I couldn't just bring in a a speaker necessarily. It could happen on occasion. But when I had my one-on-ones with my team, I would talk with them about, of course, the job, the tasks and so forth. But then the bigger picture, where are you going? What does your career look like? Do you have the circumstances right now to thrive in your work or is there something else that's holding you back? I would have told you then I was coaching them. That's absolutely what I was doing. But to make sure that they knew that they had support and I was there to be interested in them as a human, not just them as a producer.
1: Yeah, that's Mm, that's really stuff and it all talks to from my perspective, it talks to mindset that at least for me, I never looked at the people as a you know personnel expense or a labor expense. Those people were investments the company was making Mm -hmm. to do what it wanted to do. And years ago, my mindset kind of was, look, if you get paid every two weeks, the company goes in debt to the employees for two weeks and then they pay them. And and now we're all even again. And then we go into debt. And that mindset, I think, is very short sighted. It doesn't um, bring that investment mentality or the investment mindset that the, the salary and benefits that are you are expending in your business are an investment in your business to accomplish your mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Okay, everybody, well, thanks well, it's for interesting
2: listening. interesting because I don't like <laughs> <off the stand. laughs> That
4: was
1: it. So well, well,
2: I'll see you later. I mean, it's hard because... We all come from different industries and right. Dr. Sam, you and I have both been in education. You higher education, me in lower education, could be the public school system. And, uh, and <laughs> we, there, it's a really difficult challenge. <laughs> you just got that, didn't you, Jeff? Mr. I did. I'm right. almost, it's, it's a um, slow
0: burn. The, I'm only, ha- I'm a half a cup of coffee here.
2: I'm not drinking Bloody Mary's like a cup of doing. Uh. <laughs> But that's, that brings up a good point is that in private industry where you have, sometimes you have a fund that is dedicated to here's how we treat our employees or here's the leadership money so we can bring in speakers and or trainings specifically for our employees. Those are investments. But if you are in an industry where it, there's not that budget of how do we do these? How do we bring these things in? You really have to do what you did, Dr. Sam. and, And as a leader, you invest in your people by investing in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But Jeff Conroy, you said it also is knowing their who they are, their spouses, their children, the big events in their life, and okay. being a part of that, encouraging them, knowing what they're going through. And, and if they need, that was one of the things you said, well, what happens if somebody needs to be a not a part of the team anymore? For Simon Sinek was... If you're really not happy here, if you are not feeling like this is the best fit for you in, the, in our organization, we will train you and help you to find a job that is the best fit. We will invest in you that way because we want to make sure that number one, you, you are taken care of because you're more than just a number to us. And I went, that's, wow, how cool is that? It's not going to work in every job. If you're at a coffee shop and you're going to have 300% turnover every year because it's a coffee shop and you're in a college town and you just you, you shuffle through people. That's a little different than... If you're hiring for a CEO position or a mid-level manager Mm -hmm. where you're investing a lot of time, effort, and energy into somebody and you need them to stick around for three to five years before you've made up the investment in them in terms of how much they've contributed to the company. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to take the time to actually invest in your team so that they are productive, so that they feel like they are part of the team. And if you can't do that, what's the whole point?
0: I've always felt that building the relationship was burning the free fuel. You're you're burning, burning free fuel. If if you're building relationships and you're getting to know them, and it it doesn't cost you anything, it's free. And and you're building friendships. And people are more likely to stay in a job where they feel like they're part of something.
4: Mm-hmm. And yeah. Sorry, Jeff. But I didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, that's rude. Go ahead.
4: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're done. <laughs> scene.
1: Friends in Eastern
2: Oregon, this is what they do to me. I just want you to know. It's only because he's from Eastern Oregon. I mean, come on, Eastern Washington, Eastern Oregon.
4: So, the reason I interrupted with this huge pile of wisdom on that, ask the group, Geoff, you just mentioned the coffee shop, you might have a high turnover rate, which is true because folks are going to come in and, and leave the, the space. Um, I'll say, however, couldn't or shouldn't that experience also be as good as it can possibly be in the situation that it is? Because if you've got a high turnover rate that is not relative to people aging out, you know, teenagers getting jobs and going elsewhere, that kind of thing, why would they want to show up and do the best work they can if they're being treated poorly? I think that there's room to have some development also knowing full well your people are going to turn over, but still treat them like humans. It seems to be a pretty decent place mm-hmm. to go.
3: It's interesting you say that because that's what was going through my mind. Starbucks has actually got it figured out. They have one of the lowest turnover rates in the industry of coffee shops. I, I can't remember exact; it seemed like it was ninety. They had a ninety-five percent retention. Is because they invest in their people and they develop relationships with them, um, and they feel like they are truly part of of the success of whatever shop they're in and the company, which just underlines. It underlines the fact that they're profit partners, but it also underlines that they have invested in their future value because the cost of turnover is tremendous. It takes three months in general to train somebody Mm -hmm. so that they can do their job and another year before they get proficient at it. Why would you mm-hmm. want to throw that out?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Why would you want to throw that away?
2: Right. There's a Starbucks on there's, I think I can't remember. There might have been a city within a hundred miles of every place, every major city that you could possibly be in the United States. Something crazy like that. And I went, that's ridiculous. And then I thought about it and I was like, there's only three Starbucks in Idaho. And then I thought, yeah, that's right. We don't have any major cities, never mind. But I have friends that own coffee shops and they own Dutch Bros, and they have phenomenal culture. The way that they invest in their people is they know, they they hire young people, energetic people, and they say, we know that you're not going to be here forever. This is not going to be your forever job. This is a for now job, but we want to give you leadership skills that you can take to the next job. Or we want to help you with how do you transition to going into college. We want to make sure that you feel ready to do those things. And even though they're, they're part-time employees, they treat them with an insane amount of respect. And then they also give them the leadership training and the opportunity if you should desire to move up. And at some point they say, wait, you've been here for a while. It doesn't seem like you really want to leave. Do you want to start going into management? Do you want to start going into potential ownership of your own coffee shop? And if so, how do we help you get there? Mm -hmm. And that right there is I think that's a win for everybody because you've trained a workforce to be better at what they're going to do, customer service, new accounting change, skill set. But then you also give them the leadership stuff as well. And they can take that to the next job. It it seems to make sense to me from an outside perspective that you would want to do that for all of your employees, no matter what industry you're in. And that's all the groups that I coach with, the groups that I work with through play and doing events. that's why they're doing it. They're investing in their people and they're bringing in an outside perspective and saying, hey, we need help with communication and we need to have a little bit more fun or we need a coach to work with these new leaders because they just don't know what they're doing yet. And they need to to learn how to talk to their team. They need some confidence. And so working with those people and saying, hey, how do you do this better? What's going on? How do we help you out? And because you've been sponsored by an organization, they're paying for you to become a better leader, which is cool because they're investing in you. It just it it just makes sense all across the board. In in my opinion, it's a leader's responsibility to create more
0: leaders. I know we see that old cliche all the time is to create more leaders. But I've always I took it the next step further and said my job was to create the next leader for someone else because I want them to be so good that someone else wants them. I know I'm training someone to go to a different company or to a different industry, but I want them to actually leave me with good skills. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, so I'm training the next leader. That's my That was my job. If I can keep them and move them up within my company, that's job one. But if another company recognizes their exceptional leadership and they, they want to take them, then I did my job. I, and I never held any ever held anybody back
2: wanting to leave. Why would you want to? If somebody wants to leave, you have to stay here. Well, and, it's, chains. well
0: <laughs> and it wasn't that. I'm always for somebody who wants to better their life.
2: hmm
4: so, mm-hmm, right. if, if
0: I can teach them leadership skills and they're doing, they're an exceptional leader and a different company sees that exceptional leadership and they want them, you go, girl. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that at all. Right.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I did my job. You did your job. Thank you. Yep. Yep. You know. And you deserve to have better and you deserve yeah. to have more. We can only offer so many things in certain jobs. At some point, there has to be, you're, you're going to tap out. If you, you know, work at McDonald's, you're going to tap out. Like, you're, you're like, okay, this is, I got the burger flipping i got the front desk stuff i got the floor mopping i can run a window like nobody's business oh right. great now you're a manager okay cool and now i'm helping other people do those skills but there's only so high you can go and if all of a sudden another organization goes well wait let's pay a little bit more give you some more responsibility a new challenge like that just right. makes sense yeah but but then you've got a, a leader that has left your company speaking great things about
0: mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Ho- hopefully uh <laughs> it's great things about you going to another company yeah, Because you never know where your friends are going to be. Somebody may contact you 10 years down the road and offer you something. I, I just think it's invaluable.
4: And yep. One more quick angle on this. I know we're running low on time is that folks may not want to go. They may be in a space where they feel great. And the absence of desire to move up the chain of command isn't an indicator of anything besides they don't want to. So for those folks who are pretty content where they are because they're doing great work. They have a great team, great relationships. Super. Let those folks do their thing. Still invest in them. Still help them do it as they want to do And If they eventually, they want to move up, out, whatever, we can support that. But let's not, I mean, we're not, but collectively, let's not confuse aspiration with competence and happiness. I, mean, I think you can have all those things. They show up differently for different people.
0: Yeah, not everybody wants to lead, and that's cool. But, but there's leadership in other ways. But you don't—you've heard the saying: you don't need a title or the pay to be a leader. Every anybody can be a leader. True that.
2: Well, I think that is our time for today, and uh, thank you so much for listening. We hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions or comments, or you'd uh, like some ideas on how to invest in your employees, or better yet, jump on a call with us or something like that, you need to actually get a hold of us, and that is at ask us at leadershipbs.co. That's us at leadershipbs.co. Send us an email. We'll reach out. We'll get a hold of you. We'll talk to you. We love talking to our listeners, all three of them in Eastern Oregon. And the three over in New Zealand. How cool is that? We're international now, baby. So if you have again, reach out to us. We would be more than happy to be a resource for you. No matter where you are in the world. We'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning to talk to you if you're in New Zealand. Because why? It's New Zealand, man. It's just New cool. New Zealand. It's New Zealand. I mate. Okay, that was so wrong. I, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> wow. Gonna be, our our right. listeners going to be like, dude, wrong, wrong. Now we're going to be ranked. For, now we're going to be 115th. I know, man. We're going to move back down the chain. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our, uh, your time with us. And uh, we know that we enjoy our time with the, with you guys. Have a great day and we will see you next time. Thank you Let's- so much. Letterbuck. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at at leadershipbs.co. That's at leadershipbs.co. If we use your email questions or comments, you will win a DISC behavioral assessment and debrief with one of our highly trained podcast teammates. And last but not least, don't forget, to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people thank you so much and tune in next time we'll see you then